Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. We're inside NRG Stadium, and we are less than 73 hours from the start of the 2019 NFL Draft, which takes place in Nashville. But the picks will be made, actually decided here at NRG Stadium for the Houston Texans, and then piped into Nashville, where they will be announced. And DeAndre Hopkins has the second-round selections. I believe T.J. Yates on the third. We'll have Bernardrick McKinney in the fifth round outside NRG Stadium during the Kids Triathlon. So we have a lot of fun stuff coming up this weekend, a lot of really interesting stuff as the Texans make their picks for 2019. There's no bigger story in sports right now than the NFL Draft. So let's get to it. John Harris and I here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio have a big show for you tonight. Next segment, we will go over some first-round draft choice health situation items from the Houston Texans over the years. And in the final segment, more on possible picks for the Texans and the NFL draft in general. But we begin with a conversation with general manager Brian Gain here from the Hyundai Texans radio studio. And we begin by asking Brian, are you ever done? Are you ever done with preparation for the NFL draft? There's got to be always something extra you can do, you feel. That's a very good question, Mark. And I would say that uh, this process will, will take us all the way up to Wednesday night before the draft. I would say 97% of the, the process is done from the player evaluations, the medical portion of it, the security, the background checks. At this stage right now, it's it's more about maybe some specific clusters and some stacking orders and specific rounds. So we're doing a lot of film study behind the scenes at the moment just to make sure that our thoughts were right coming out of the April meetings. So we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, but really it's just player versus player in certain parts of the board. Uh, We like to think we know who the top 25 players are, top 30, who the top 40, top 60, top 90. We have a general idea maybe of who might be there when we're picking at 23, 54, 55, maybe even 86, what those options might be. Uh, We have a gap, obviously, in our our, uh, draft board because we don't have a fourth-round selection right now, so we'll have to wait to five as it relates to figuring out what might be there. But we think we're, we think we're going to get four very good players in the top 86 selections here, so we're excited about that. Brian, a lot of times with you know guys in the media, everybody comes up with a, a mock draft and everybody kind of pokes fun at it. But I would imagine in some way you have to do some sort of exercise to figure out, okay, who could potentially be fall, who, who could get to us at 23, who could get to us at 54, 55. Do you guys? A, even look at those mock drafts, maybe some that are from out of town, maybe some that are trusted that you know have been right, that are connected to the NFL. Do you look at stuff like that as you kind of go through your scenarios through this draft? Yeah, number one, we, we focus uh, internally on ourselves, and we'll run our own mock drafts as it relates to what we might predict could happen and take place here through through the first and second, and maybe even drill down to the third round. We lean heavily at that stage. You know, some of it's rumor mill, but 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 equally about uh, you know the team needs. What's the major right. needs, not the minor needs? Uh, because at the end of the day, that you know internally, you know we're going by maybe what we think from an external standpoint what a team might need. But we do spend a little time on on that as it relates uh, to the mock draft stuff, just studying some specific people. But we rely more on ourselves, where we'll do that as a scouting staff and try to project what might be there at 23 based on what we think teams may need, who they might take, who's coming up in terms of expiring contracts, and which ones uh, make sense. At 23, it feels like it's a choose-your-own-adventure novel that could go a million different ways by the time you get to 23. As you've thought it through over the last few months, I imagine you've got all those different scenarios floating around in your head. 
and I'm sure you've played out how exciting it'll be to actually know, okay, here's finally who's on the board at that particular moment. Is that what you do kind of in your off moments you're driving up to work, you're thinking about those scenarios of what could happen at 23? Yeah, it's always on your mind going through this time of the year, but we are constantly contingency planning and rehearsing. Like these meetings that we're in right now behind closed doors in the morning and in the evenings are very much spent contingency planning as if, hey, if this player is here, are we taking this guy or this guy? And we just work our way right down the board through each round so that these conversations have already taken place that if this player is here, this is the player that we're taking. We had that conversation five to five days ago, ten days ago. So it makes it very seamless when those players come up on the board. I think where it gets exciting, where like if you're sitting at 23 and you're near 18 and 19 selection, things start to come to light that there's four or five players on the board there. We're staring at this. These are the options that are that are coming closer to us. This is going to be option number one, number two, number three. We have four or five more selections to go. This is the order we see it, so we wait and see. Brian, when trades happen on draft weekend, how many are sort of not necessarily completely set up in advance, but the possibility of trades are set up in advance versus things that just sort of happen on the fly. You've got to keep that cell phone handy just in case. It's a combination of both, Mark. I've, I've been in situations where you've rehearsed it numerous times, made countless phone calls about, hey, I'm trying to trade up or I'm trying to trade down, or, hey, I'm going to wait and see, and uh, if three or four of my guys are there, I'm willing to move down a little bit. But if my guy's there, I'm going to take him. And then there's times and places where you do get those 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 phone calls maybe that you didn't prepare for. But we have a, a, a system in place where we field every trade call, we evaluate every trade call. If it makes sense, we do it. If it doesn't make sense, we stay there, we take our player. We look at the value chart, certainly. Is it a seller's market? Is it a buyer's market? We spend seven to ten days here making phone calls pre-draft to see who might be trying to come up, who's trying to come down and to let teams know where, what our position is so that when we are on the clock, if they see a player that's falling down the board and they want to come up, give us a call. Brian, last year when you came here to be the GM, you had spent a lot of time with the 2018 draft class going out and studying because that's what you were doing in Buffalo. How is it different this year? Not saying that you, you will always rely on your scouts, but did you have as much uh, viewing of the players in this 2019 class as you did the 2018 class kind of out on the road? How was that process for you year one to year two? Yeah, there were some challenges to do that, John, but I was able to, to accomplish that this fall, have a great scouting staff, a scouting staff that I trust, and was able to delegate far more to this year, just, just being able to be with those guys in one cycle. But at the same time, I took every opportunity to go out on the road this fall to make sure that I saw a lot of the A and B players, you know, at least the guys who were day one, day two, early day three guys. And then I spent a lot of the winter and, and the early portion of spring seeing maybe later day three guys. But if they're on our draft board, John, like I tried to make sure that I've seen every player, how many we ever have on the draft board. I at least saw live or at least has some film study done by December, probably about 50 to 60% of our draft board, wow. and then spent the the rest of the uh, the winter and spring catching up on other guys that remained on the draft board in day three. Brian, undrafted free agents, you mentioned in your press conference, you reminded people you were one, so you know what that's like. And as uh, in your position, you're almost recruiting at that point. Drafting, yep, you're ours, come on over. At that point, with the undrafteds, aren't you sort of recruiting to a certain extent? You are. You are. With only seven draft selections, there are good players who go undrafted. And every organization that I've been in, there's been guys that have, we've had draft, draftable grades on that happen to go undrafted for whatever circumstance that happens. <clears throat> but we start our PFA and CFA process, the priority free agent, college free agent process, in December. 
Okay. You know, our scouts obviously are giving guys grades, whether they're draftable or undrafted. But we actually start our process in December where we start ranking those players who we think might make it to undrafted free agency. Maybe they get drafted late, but at least we have that process in place so that when we descend into the bowl games and the college all-star games and before the combine, we know exactly who those players are so we can begin that process much earlier, the recruiting process, and laying the groundwork so that when April comes, we're already 10 steps down the road. Brian, for a lot of us that watch and have been watching these college players, it feels like it's a defensive lineman class that is off the charts. I mean, it feels like it is definitely the strength of this draft. Where would you see it? How do you look at this draft, and where do you think the strength lies per in the units, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, defensive line? Where do you see the strength in this draft? Yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, just speaking to the defensive line, I think there's a lot of volume with edge players. I think that's when people are talking about like the defensive line. I think that's that's where it, the depth is far more from the edge guys than it is maybe on the interior. Um, so for us in our three-four system, you know, obviously outside linebackers. So we think there's a lot of at bats there, day one, day two, even to the early portion of day three. Uh, I think there's volume in 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 various points and places in the defensive backfield on day one, day two, even day three, where you're going to get a good player. At corner, I've used this analogy, is there a Patrick Peterson in this draft? Perhaps not, but I think there's some some solid to good starting caliber players that you can get and then contributing role players thereafter. On the offensive side, I just said it in the early press conference, I think there's some opportunities to get some starting caliber tackles and guards uh, day one and day two. Um, And I think there's some versatile offensive linemen there in the middle rounds, guys who can play tackle and or guard or vice versa in in the middle round area. and speaking of wide receiver, you know, is there a, an elite receiver in this draft? You know, m- maybe there is not, um, but I think that there's some places in, in the draft in terms of like day two into the early portion of day three where you can get a good player who's going to contribute for you. Um, quarterback situation, obviously, you know, we have our guy. We feel like yep. we have our guy, but I think there's some good backup caliber quarterbacks that you could take this year that could be a good number two. It's a reasonable year at tight end. So I'm I'm ready to go. Eighty, you know, with with uh, four picks up to eighty six, we're going to get four very good players, and we're going to let the board speak to ourselves. What What's it like for you in the room? Because it's like playing chess for sixteen hours. I mean, how do you gear up for this physically? You got to make sure you get a good night's sleep. You're loading up on coffee. I don't know if you drink coffee, but how do you prepare for it personally, Brian? Yeah, so for me, it's all about preparation. You just said it right there. Just making sure that you know what we have our board in order so that the board will speak to us when our selection comes. And when we arrive to, to that feeling of comfort to know, like, hey, the board is set, Wednesday night I'm going to sleep good because I know it's all set. Okay. Because the board will just talk to us about who the next group of players that we're going to consider with our selection. Very confident in the, in the scouting staff that we have. Um, so I feel like we got very good information from the character, the background, uh, their football personality, and obviously their playing skill. And then the input from the coaches, that's been that's been wonderful as well. So I think we're in a very good place, Mark. We just need about five or six more days to arrive to that conclusion, and then the board will just speak to us when our turn comes. Brian, do you get draft crushes? You know, you <laughs> used to get, when you were at junior high, you used to get a crush on a girl, like, oh, man, you're just smitten with her. Do you get draft crushes where you look at a player and go, oh, man, I love that guy? Yeah. Yeah, you do. You certainly do. But you got to respect the process and make sure you don't overvalue those players maybe yep. because you got to know them through from December to January because you're not around their personality or you don't get a chance to communicate with the players until you meet them at the bowl games, the combine, the pro days, the private workouts. 
and there's certainly players who match the, the playing performance and the talent with the personality and those types of players who take the, the playing performance with the, the football personality that we need and want here, who have the grit, the toughness, the makeup, uh, the smarts, the intelligence, the passion for the game. They mix that with football and personal character. Those are the guys you really fall for because they have the total package of what you want for your program. Those are the ones you marry. <laughs> Those yeah. are the ones you marry. Well, that's what we're doing here. We're yeah. married for eight to ten years, yeah. hopefully. Exactly. So. Yep. Brian, thanks a lot for the time. Good luck. Thank you. There's General Manager Brian Gain. That'll be up on the Texans All Access podcast soon enough on HoustonTexans.com and wherever fine podcasts are available. So we're going to continue talking about the draft. Health issues have been a bit of an issue overall with first-round draft choices for the Houston Texans in recent years. We'll talk about that and also how the draft has changed over the years. We could do a whole week of shows on this but we won't. And by the way, NFL Network carrying the draft, of course, if you have certain providers, they might not have NFL Network as we speak, like AT&T U-verse and DirecTV Now. So log on to IWantMyNFLNetwork.com. IWantMyNFLNetwork.com to find out if you are one of these sufferers because you need NFL Network. They're showing great stuff all week long about the history of the draft and everything leading up to the actual event on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. I want my com. Go check it out. Stick around with us right here on Texans Radio. Busy week. We have the NFL draft coming up on Thursday night, as we said, with three solid days of coverage. First round Thursday, second and third Friday, and the rest of it through 7 on Saturday starting at 11 a.m. It'll all be live on Sports Radio 610 and the Texans app, and we encourage you to Listen in. All right, John Harris with us here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Great to hear from Brian Gain in the opening segment and all the things that uh, are on his mind. But, Johnny, uh, I'm reminded of a quote from Godfather Part 2 with Hyman Roth, and that is, health is the most important thing, more important than money, more important than power. And we know that that's, that's very true with this football team over the years. And you found it to be very true with the first-round draft choices of the Texans in recent memory, right? I did. I was this weekend. NFL Network was running uh, old drafts, so on Saturday, I don't know what draft they were on. I can't remember which one it was. I think I think it was 2017. And my wife walks out. And she sits in the chair and she looks up at the TV and she looks at me and she says, <laughs> "I didn't think the draft was on a certain day." And I yeah. said. I said, babe, if I'm sitting here and a draft is going on, do you not think something's wrong with that? Yeah. And then she's like, are you watching a recorded? And I said, it's not recorded, but it is on. They were just running the They were draft? just running the draft, the first round. They would run. They they cut it to an hour. Okay. All right. Well, I think it was fun. like an hour. They cut it to an hour. They made like an hour, maybe a two-hour show, but they made like an hour the first round. And I don't know that I've ever seen Deshaun get drafted. I mean, I've seen the, the highlights of it, but I was like watching because I wanted to see Deshaun get drafted. Yeah, you were on the air when it. this yeah, happened. Exactly. So it got me thinking as I was watching, and of course they're talking about all these players, and it's so funny to hear them talk about the players in retrospect and, and see you know what happens. But it got me thinking about, oh, man, Deshaun was the last draft pick, and then before him was Will, and then before that was Kevin, and then Clowney, and I was like, wait a second. Man, all those guys have – Boy, availability, holy smoke. So I went through each one that's been drafted, starting with Clowney. Clowney in 14, Kevin Johnson in 15, Will in 16, and Watson in 17. To your point, of those uh, four guys, is that four? Yeah, four. There were 224 possible games they could have played in. 
Okay. 224. Now, I wouldn't expect them to play in every single game. But the four of them only showed up 150 games of a possible 224. That's only 67% of the time. 67% of the games played in, they missed. Clowney, his first two years, he played four games and then 13. And then he got on a run, 14, 16, 15. So he got consistent, so we saw that with him. Right. Kevin played 16 as a rookie. Then he played 6, 12, 1. Will played 14 as a rookie. Then he had 10 and 7. And Deshaun obviously played only in seven games and then 16 this past year. But here was the other thing that stood out to me of all those guys. First of all, they all only played in one game together. One. Wait, that's it. So that's when it. you say one Clowney, game. Kevin Johnson, Will, Will Fuller, Fuller, and Deshaun Watson. Only played all together in one game. Wow. That's it. That's remarkable. Here's the other one, too. All four of these guys, four first-round draft picks, all went on IR for at least half a season. In one of the seasons, they've obviously been with the Texans. They had been with the Texans. Clowney was in 2014 as a rookie. Kevin was in 2016 in his second year. Will was in 2018 in his third year. And then Watson was IR for half the season in 2017. Well, and also All Kevin four. in 2018. In 2018, yeah. Kevin Kevin was twice. And then, you know, Will Will missed the front end of games of 2017. Right. You had, obviously, Kevin with both years. I mean, he played all of, what, five or six games in 2016 and then missed the rest of the season at that point. And then he missed virtually all of the 2018 season. And then Clowney missed the 2014 season. And then he played 13 games in 2015, but we know in that season he was kind of out of lineup. He wasn't himself yet. Yeah, and he wasn't himself and he didn't, and wasn't healthy for the playoff game. But that seemed remarkable to me that the last four first-rounders have run into that sort of injury situation. And I started thinking back, like, is, was there any indication of this when they were in college? Could you look at a guy and say, well, yeah, he was injury-prone in college, and that sort of stuck with him. And I, I went back and looked. I mean, Deshaun didn't miss a game. Will, at Notre Dame, I don't think he missed a game. Well, didn't he Deshaun have that knee time. problem, though, and he played through it? Yeah, but he only missed – well, he missed one, one game. game. He missed yeah, that bowl game. That was it. That was yeah. the only thing he missed, and he played with a with an ACL. Clowney, I think there's one game he didn't play in in college, but it was one of those November FCS games right? where they were like, all right, you're just not going to play. He had some nasty That's that stuff weird SEC play. scheduling anyway. Yeah. Never but he was, not, he was not injury-prone, as you would say. And and Kevin wasn't at Wake Forest. I mean, Kevin was, was slight, and he did miss a year, but – it had to do with academics. It didn't have to do with an injury. So it's not as if these guys were injury-prone in college and it, that tag just sort of stuck with them as they moved to the NFL. But they've had all sorts of problems here, and yeah. the emphasis on health is so strong here. That's that's a heck of a stat. Well, obviously we know the 2013 first-round draft choice is DeAndre Hopkins, right. and he's been unbelievably healthy throughout right. his career. I know he played banged up a couple of times, including right. in the playoff game last year. 2012, Whitney Merciless stays healthy most of his career, but in 2017, right. he goes out in week five against Kansas City. 2011, J.J. Watt, all right? And J.J. Yeah. Watt, we all know what happened in 16 and in 17. 17. Yeah. So uh, that was a problem for him, but he stayed healthy other than that. So it shows you how important it is. I mean, it's so monumentally important. That's why we've been saying things like, if you give me 12, 13 games with, on offense, Fuller, Watson, QT, 
healthy, along mm-hmm. with Hopkins, what can I do right. with that bunch? Right. Never mind everybody else. I mean, I know everybody else is important. But you give me that, force them together, I'm going to make beautiful offensive music for you. Yeah. I really will. I'll find no a way. Doubt. I'll find a way. i got matchup problems all over the place. I'll be able to do it. And we all know on defense who the most important players are right now. It's such an important week for that first-round draft choice to nail it for at least one of the seconds. It'd be great to get you know three out of four, I know, but I think we all agree two out of four in your first-round hitting is what you really – if you do that, you've been doing a heck of a job. And by hitting, I mean two really solid starters out of those – two picks out of the four we had a run there for a while of first round draft picks that were still with the team that was just i mean it was it was incredible it was incredible to think about mm-hmm. when you started looking around the league at that point but i just started thinking about in the division how has it gone for teams in the division with their draft picks and you know malik hooker missed about half the year with an acl uh but then made it back last year but ryan kelly has been in and out of the lineup with some injuries, but he's played for the most part. Uh, you know, Andrew Lux had to deal with his things. You know, in Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette was not ever on IR last year, but he missed a significant amount of games. Well, Ramsey's played every single one. Yannick Ngakwe has played, it was a third rounder, but he's played in pretty much every single one. Taven Bryan was not hurt last year. He played in every single game, even though he was a backup. But for the most part, Jacksonville's had relative, relative health, and they were really healthy in 2017. Tennessee's the one that's probably had it, maybe not on par with us, but Mariota's been in and out of the lineup, and I think at one point he went on IR, I want to say 15 as a rookie. Huge part of their problems. Jack Conklin was tremendous as a rookie, but the injury problems hit late in the year in 2017 because of an ACL, and he really has not found that form. So Tennessee's had to deal with it as well. But I don't know that any team that you could look at across the board and say the last four first-round draft picks have all gone on IR for at least half a year. We get, if we can get beyond that to that point, we talked about the big, you know, the big five of Watson, Hopkins, Fuller, Watt, and Clowney were to all play. To your point, like if they played all somewhere between thirteen to sixteen games. Now, obviously, QT becomes a big part, but just those five—if they played the entire season together. 13 to 16 games, yeah, maybe Clowney's dinged up here or maybe uh, you know, Hop's dealing That's with gonna something. Happen. It's going to happen. But if you're playing this, the, the majority of games, where can this team end up being? I think that's been the problem. I think people outside, and I don't, wanna, I'm, I don't want it to be making excuses. My point being, you've got to be healthy. But I think people outside the building look at it and look at a team and go, well, you know, they ended up getting knocked off by the Colts, and that's the way you look at it. But it's like, man. If this team could all be healthy, you're missing Fuller. You missed Fuller for, for half the year. You had other pieces back last year, and that's why you were able to get to 11-5. and five. But you add Will to that, and he's healthy for a full year. What can this offense end up being? And QT, as you said, this offense can end up being, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but if you get an offense of line in front of Deshaun that is able, let's just say, just cut the sacks in half. I know that's a big number, but cut it from 62 to 31. Just cut them in half. And... Then at that point, you're running the football a little bit better. Yeah. And you're doing a lot of other things better. And it just makes well, the whole machine what the tar- better. I mean, the target should be zero. But no, 30, course, 35 to 40, I feel like I've done something there. Absolutely. Between whatever Watson does to adjust his part of the game right. or his part of the equation, whatever they do to improve the line, you get that going. But you got to be able to run the ball. We all know that. No all right, next up, a little bit more on the draft and maybe a lot more on the draft. How about this? 
Why is the draft moving around the country? What is different about this year's draft? And what are some of the mock drafts saying now with a few days to go before the Texans and the rest of the NFL, before everybody makes their picks? It's Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio here in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. NFL Draft on Thursday. And it will be broadcast by everybody. Everybody in the world will be carrying, not quite. But the draft is a weird thing, Johnny, because you could basically cover the draft from almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. information. Yeah. And ABC will broadcast all seven rounds. Hmm. The third day will be a simulcast of the ESPN stuff. Right. Saturday afternoon, sports programming. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But the first two nights, they're going to do their own show. Robin Roberts is going to anchor the first round with the college game day crew. I'm not sure how Friday's going offhand, but they're going to do their own thing, and ESPN yep. will do a different thing. NFL Network has their thing. We have our thing right here on Sports Radio 610, Texans Radio on the Texans app. So we'll have it all for you. By the way, it's our lineup goes like this. Me, Johnny, Andre Ware on round one from NRG Stadium from the draft party. That's always cool. Robert Hensley alongside on Friday night, Johnny and I in studio with Paul Gallant. On Saturday, it'll be Sean Pendergast, John Harris, and also Wade Smith in the first part of the day. Second part of the day, me, Johnny, and Mike Meltzer to finish it off. And we'll have Brian Gain on a bunch. Brian Gain will be on Friday and Saturday. Bill O'Brien will be on with us, and we'll go over what goes down at the NFL draft. So we'll be with you for every single pick. Be listening right here. But it's funny because... Everywhere I go, people ask me, are you going to go to Nashville for the draft? No. The thing is, the draft is so movable. Yeah. The NFL team personnel members who go to the draft, it's, you know, not, not to make light of them, but, you know, Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien are here in the right. NRG Stadium. They're not going to the draft. You don't have to send people. It used to be that way back in the day, like Pete Rozelle yeah. at the Sheraton in New York yeah. hosting the draft. Now, you're just really phoning in your picks. And everybody does it from their building. That's why the draft was such a movable event. You only had 23 players this year, 23 players, and Roger Goodell and whoever else you need to create a spectacle in that particular city. It's not like the Combine where you have hundreds of people that have to get very specific jobs done and physicals and the measurements and everything else. That's a whole different deal moving that around. The draft, I don't want to say it's easy to move around because these cities, Chicago and Philly and Nashville, they put on great shows, but it's not like you have to put the whole league there, really. It's a TV show that you're setting up. Yeah, no doubt. I had TuneIn Radio a couple years ago. They they texted me, and I've been going on with them oh, yeah. during two, on Tuesdays throughout the year, and they're like, hey, man, we know you really know the draft. Or, we'd love to have you on. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I can come on before we start our show on Thursday. And they're like, well, you're going to be in, I think it was Philly, right? And I was like, no, I never go to Philly. I do all the draft stuff, you know, here where we do it. And he goes, oh, okay, well, let me get back to you. I was like, all right. I thought that was kind of weird. But he asked that. And so when I got back on with him the next time, I said, well, hey, do you all need me for a draft? And they're like, no, no, no. We're really looking for somebody that's going to be in Philadelphia. I was like, Why? I, I didn't. I didn't get it. I'm right. like, well, what are Why you going to ask me? I mean, you can. What are you going to? Uh, hey, how's the scene in Philly? Oh, it's crazy. Look at all these people. <laughs> I could have told you I'm looking at a TV on a monitor. I was like, do you want to talk to me about the draft picks? Do you want to talk to me what's going on? I don't need to be in Philly for that mm-hmm. at all. I mean, we've nope. proven that the last few years. We've talked about every one of these draft picks the Texans have had, and every team has, from right here in these. In these spots, Dre was sitting right here texting Lamar Jackson last year from the green yep. room. Yep. You know, so 
that's that perspective, awesome. that's all you need to do is just just be there. You know, know it, and I, I love the fact that it has moved around. I'm curious to see how it's going to roll in Nashville. It's funny because we do follow a few people uh, that are Titans-oriented, and there has been some consternation about what the NFL has done in certain places. Like they've gone through, and there, I guess there was an area where they – had to put the stage and they had to knock down some trees and oh, there yeah. were some things about that. So it's gotten a little bit crazy, but I wouldn't mind it coming through Houston because I just would like to kind of see how they set it up. But you know what it is in some sense, Mark, when I think about the draft, and, and you've said this, a lot of people have said this, as far as events for the NFL go, it's number two. yeah, And number one is the Super Bowl. Well, why does everybody want to broadcast the draft? Because only one network gets to broadcast the Super Bowl. Yeah, but anybody and everybody that wants to broadcast the draft, go ahead. They can do it, except it. except to get in the building. So Fox is not doing it this year, right? And the NFL had toyed around with the idea of all the networks doing it, and I think they want to go there eventually. Be yeah, like, they will have it to be like election night. <laughs> it's unbelievable, really. It's like, come so far. NBC is going to be the the offensive draft show. Like they're heavily all the defensive all the defensive picks get reamed, and then you know Fox ends up being more about the defensive side, and nobody cares about offense over there. Is that where we're going? You, you know, the difference between now and ages ago is so interesting because. All right, for instance, you've been to Vegas where – all right, you've been to the Nugget on the Strip yeah. and everything. Yeah. And you go into some of those older casinos like Binion's. I don't know if it was Binion's itself, but about 10 years ago I was doing a bunch of shows when the Nugget reopened under Fertitta and everything. Yeah. And we'd go across the street to some of the older places just to check them out. And the sports book and at least one or two of them was literally a dry erase board. You know, it was like <laughs> – Cavs, Celtics, <laughs> minus six. Who you got? <laughs> you know, it was so funny. And that's how the draft used to be, yeah, right? Exactly. The draft used to be kind of like that. Yeah. Well, you see the uh, 30 for 30 on, I forget who it's on, though. It's on the class of 83 of quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Elway to Marino. Yeah, Elway to Marino. That's the one. That's what that's what it's called. So the draft is literally at a hotel in New York, mm-hmm. and Pete Rosell's up there giving the picks, and he's at a podium, and I think a podium says the hotel name on it, Sheridan or something. Yeah. It's not even like NFL. Yeah. They barely have an NFL mic flag. I mean, all these things were afterthoughts back in the day. I love watching, like, old sports video, and you see – where they missed out on branding opportunities they would never miss out oh. on today. The greatest games ever played in the NBA, Boston, Phoenix, triple overtime. 76. 76 yep. finals, right? Yep. If you look at press row, you can see the legs of everybody. It's just a table <laughs> yeah. on the sideline. They don't even have a banner, yeah. like a regular banner there. I was, now it would be LED to the hilt, of course. Yesterday I was watching this show called Hey Rookie. I don't know if oh, you've yeah. ever seen this. Oh, they, yeah. they follow particular rookies, and they're following – I'm trying to remember who they're following, but Trace McSorley was one of them. And uh, I'm trying, I can't remember who else, but I know Trace McSorley was one of them. And there are a few others. And there's a first rounder in that mix as well. Oh, Devin White from LSU. And they got some really good, really good footage. But the first episode was not really about them, it was about really the history of the combine. Oh, gosh. And it wasn't all that long ago, Mark, where we couldn't even watch what was going on at the Combine. I mean, if you tell somebody that loves watching the Combine, hey, you couldn't watch this 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Yeah. It'd be further back. I think it was 04, 05. They showed clips, and there would be nobody in the stands. I mean, nobody. Teams it was wouldn't just, even be well represented yeah, there. The teams were barely there, and that was it. That was all. And then you started – they would 
kind of they kind of panned through some prospects and they got to like 2017, 2018, and then they had a shot of Deshaun throwing a deep ball, mm-hmm. and they had all these people up in Lucas Oil, like up at the top, they were yeah. watching because I guess fans get to go in on the Saturday they to watch the quarterbacks. Groups. Yeah, yeah, and it was like that was just unheard of. Sure, unheard of years ago, and then they talked about the very first combine mm-hmm. and what the combine was about, and basically what was happening for in the late seventies, early eighties, players would have to go to these like almost regional combines. They go to all these little ones, and they just said, "Why don't we just put it all in one spot?" And that's how it ended up in, in Indianapolis, so they could have everybody show up there. But when they showed the early days of the combine, they have like Tom Brady highlights from the combine, and it's, I mean, it's. It's a ghost town. Grainy. It's, it? it's a ghost town. I mean, it's, it's not HD. It's SD. It's it is SD. SD. And it's like there's nobody, nobody in the place. It's their RCA dome. It's terrible yeah. footage. It's awful. How about Brady himself tweets out the old picture of him? That was awesome. That was. I mean, he's he's good. It's not a flattering pick. He's either. good on Twitter. I thought it was interesting. He said something. Oh, it was Belichick's birthday. <laughs> it was Belichick's birthday, and I wanted to tweet him so badly, and I didn't. But. It was Belichick's birthday. He said, happy birthday, coach, even though you'll never see this. And I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. careful with that, Tom. I guarantee you that Bill Belichick has his ways of knowing what goes on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you all 32 NFL coaches, of course they, do. they know what's going on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They may not be following you at Coach Belichick, but I guarantee you at Tom Brady 12 has got a follower that is Bill Belichick in some way, shape, or form. Oh, sure. No doubt. Especially when, saw when the tweet involves him directly. Yes, exactly. It's going to end up on his desk. Exactly. Printed out, probably. There's absolutely no question in my mind. I thought that was interesting looking at the combine and thinking about Tom Brady. But he tweeted out that picture, and it's like, oh, man. Of all the different things you talk about the combine, that guy has become the greatest football player of all time. It's incredible. Well, things have obviously changed, and this week they're going to be in Nashville, like we said. It really should be in Houston at some point. I hope Houston gets it. Yeah. I'd hope Houston gets a Super Bowl first. If it's a choice, well, you'd rather have a Super Bowl, of course. But the way that Houston does the Super Bowl means that the Houston community can put on a great draft. The county, everybody involved can put on a great draft. You go downtown, Discovery Green, you have the two big hotels. You have that sandwiching, the Discovery Green area. You have the George R. Brown. I mean, you'll be fine. You'll be fine with the NFL draft here. Plenty of room for it. You'll just have to make sure the Astros are, well, I guess they would have to be out of town, or maybe not. I mean, maybe you can work it out. Like, well, Friday, Saturday might be tough. I mean, if you get it. You're going to get it ahead of time. You're going to yeah. find out more than likely. You're They'd have to be out. You could not do a Friday no, night you, with the Astros playing. No, you couldn't no, no. do it. You, you couldn't, but you could also make the plea at that point that if, hey, we're going to put this thing in Houston, you can also call MLB and just say, hey, for this weekend, we make it a matinee. in Houston. Can you guys can Well, you don't guys, they get some Fridays off now? It's a weird scheduling year in Major League odd, Baseball. It's an odd year. Yeah, very odd year, which, by the way, that's the one thing I haven't cross-checked yet is are the Astros playing in any of the towns that we will be going to? Oh, I know they won't. Good. They're not going to Indianapolis. They're not that. going to London. But are they in L? <laughs> are they in L.A.? Yeah, they're not going to London. Uh, but are they going to Kansas City? Could they be mm-hmm. in Kansas City? Uh, maybe. I think I they to try to that. avoid that, though. Kauffman Stadium and Arrowhead Stadium. That's true. That's true. That's, together. Oh, that's true. They, tr- they do try to avoid those. Because they share the parking lot. Yeah, which is what they tried to do in avoiding the Eagles. You know, for the Eagles. That's why the Eagles are on the road three weeks in a row. Because they anticipated a potential Phillies World Series. So that's where that ended up going. So uh, you're right. But I would think if they, they announce. Now, they haven't announced 2020's draft site, right? I don't believe. 
But I think they announced these things a year ahead of time. So you would have time to say to Major League Baseball, hey, we're going to be there. Can you guys keep the Astros out for that particular week? Uh, you know, here's our here's our concession back to you. I'm sure there's kind of a quid pro quo with that. But I don't think they Vegas would Vegas next year. Oh, that's right. It is, oh, boy. All of a sudden, you know what? Oh, we really need know, to do the draft show the from the draft. Going on the road might not be a bad thing. You know, never mind what I said. I was kidding. Don't you know a joke <laughs> I, when you hear it? Friday night show starts, and Johnny's nowhere to be found. Where's Johnny? I'm at the blackjack tables, and I can't pull myself away. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my gosh. I mean, a lot of trouble. All right, so I'm going to throw some um, draft draftable guys okay. your way. You tell me if they're going to be there or not, okay? okay? All right. At number 23? At number 23. Okay. Andre Dillard. No. You know, it's funny because every mock draft mark that I have seen, mm-hmm. whenever – there are no rules for making a mock draft, but the one thing when you're looking at a mock draft, you know there are going to be trades. And the one thing you look for trades are excess draft capital, and the Texans have that with a second. Every mock draft I have seen, probably starting the middle of last week – has the Texans moving up. I've seen them trading up to eight. I've With Detroit, I've seen them trading to Miami. And both those make sense because they've got New England ties, um, you know, with Bob Quinn in, in Detroit and then uh, Chris Greer and Brian Flores is taking over Miami. I've seen them, one I saw today had them moving to 17 with the Giants. Mm-hmm. I, every single mock draft has had the Texans moving up all to take what player? Andre, Andre Dillard. Dillard. All to take that player. So, I don't think he gets a 23. That's aggressive. But, I know. And you better so- be darn good. I mean, you're moving up to take a tackle, and we just did a whole show last week on the inexact science of the draft, and especially at this particular position. Yeah, and it, it would be tough, but I don't think I don't think Dillard gets a 23. Is so- Jawan Taylor the number one tackle off the board? I think it should be Dillard, but I think Taylor's going to go because I think he's going to go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville needs more of a right tackle than a left tackle because they've got Cam Robinson. So I think Jacksonville makes a lot of sense for Juwan Taylor. Buffalo makes some sense for Juwan Taylor. It could play him opposite um, Deion Dawkins at right tackle. I think Taylor's going to be the first off the board. I think it should be Dillard. I think Dillard's a better overall player for the passing game in particular, but they're they're really close to me. Is Cody Ford there? At 23, yes. Okay. Yes, I think he is there. Do you take him? Well, I mean, if Jonah Williams, Juwan Taylor, and Andre Dillard are off the board, I would. And I would – he has said, and I heard an interview with him, saying he thinks he can play left tackle. Now, I don't know. I think that's a bit much for him. But I think at guard, he's a mainstay. But I think he could play right tackle You're not going to draft a guard that high, though. No, uh-uh, unless it's Quentin Nelson. Okay, he's not available. Greg Little. He'll be there at 23. Would you take him? Everybody else is gone that we just mentioned except for Cody Ford. I put him in the mock draft for us, the mock draft I did. I, I had the Texans taking him just because I think he is a bona fide left tackle. I don't think you have to play him in their position. He's just got to learn how to play left tackle. So the one worry I have with him is I I just don't know in the run game what we're going to get from him. I just don't know that he's going to fit us in the run game. I think pass protection-wise he would he'd come around, but I – I'd look. I'd look at the corners at that point. He's on the board. Okay, Caleb McGarry. He'll be there at twenty three, and I would absolutely take him in a heartbeat. I at twenty three. I love Caleb McGarry. Right, let me if throw, I take him at twenty three. I'll take him at twenty three. Let me throw a monkey wrench at you. All right, you got Greg Little, Caleb McGarry, and Greedy Williams there. There at twenty three. Who are you taking? 
Now, Grady Grady Williams is a cornerback, by the way, boys and girls from LSU. This, this just is them as players. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what they are off the field, some of that other stuff, but right. I would take Greedy because we need somebody that can cover T.Y. Hilton and go find number 13 and say, look, you and I are going to go at it all day long, and you're going to get me some, and I'm going to get you some. So you're going to go get a Dalton? I'll get Reisner. Dalton yeah. Reisner in the second round? Or, I would love to. I would but love he's to. not going to be there. But I'll tell you what I'd take, though. Right. I'd take Greedy Williams uh-huh. and Titus Howard. So Titus Howard from Alabama State, he'll be there in the second round. I hope so. i got my fingers crossed. There have been some teams sniffing around in the first round. But if he gets through the first round, then maybe i got a shot at him in the second. If, all right, so let's, take let's say you took Greedy. Greedy's somehow available. And you're there at 10th pick in the second round. You're thinking Titus Howard's going to be gone. I'm going to use both of my twos to move up in this hypothetical universe and take Titus Howard. Are you happy? Are you going away Friday night happy with that? If I walk away with Greedy Williams and Titus Howard, I'm going to feel pretty good about that. But I would like I would like to have Some I would insurance. like to have another another I'd like to have that third player. Like Pipkins or somebody like that. I mean, he's probably a he's probably a lay, or I'm sorry, early day 3 guy. I don't mm-hmm. I don't see him going in the in the day 2 range, but I would like to have two players in that second round. Now, what I might do is take 54, and I might use that and move up and maybe use maybe my fifth and maybe next year's third or something. Mm-hmm. I might do that, but I want to stay with my two second-round picks. I want two shots at it. I'm with Brian on this. I want two at-bats in the second round. Sounds good. Johnny, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Mark. Thank All you. All right, thanks for listening. Go check out the podcast. HoustonTexans.com or wherever fine podcasts are available. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans!